Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin. Thank you for joining me today. Happy Friday. It's a Friday. There you go. Excited about that. Um, it's not a good apple. Not an apple because they're out of bananas at the gas station. And, uh, well, it is a gas station apple. So, very bland. Very, very bland and like a weird, very strange aftertaste. Isn't it funny how it's so hard to find like good, real food? Like, you know, this lady in front of me in line, she goes up and she's got like two sleeves of the little donuts, some energy drink, and then like a bag of, what are those things called? The bugles. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had a bugle. But a bag of bugles. I'm like, dude, you're going to feel like such crap. You're going to feel so bad about yourself in the next couple. I mean, I'm sure you already do. Uh, a lot of people don't know. A lot of people just don't know. You You know, they grow up and how, that's why I try to have like some degree of empathy to counterbalance my rage at the general populace is, you know, a lot of people grew up in homes that, um, that's just, that's just how you ate, you know what I mean, and, um, you know, I used to be very good friends with this kid that was, uh, very athletic, and, like, I, this kid, if he just would have worked hard, he, he could have gone at least maybe D1, I don't know if he would have went to the NFL, but... He could have played D1 football, I think. He was tall. He was fast as hell. He was super fast. and But he just didn't work out. Like, he didn't go to any off-season stuff. He didn't hit the gym at all. He just didn't lift. And, you know, he prided himself on being more athletic than everybody um, without lifting, without ever, like, putting in extra work. And me, I had to work super hard to be athletic. I'm, I'm not naturally, I don't think, athletic at all. I've... Um, I've had to work very, very hard, um, and, you know, I just, he never really ate very well, and, and it's just, now it, like, shows, you know, time catches up to people, and I'm not hating on this kid or anything like this, just a, it's just a fact, you know, it really shows now, and I'm like, I feel bad, because it's like, this kid could have went D1, and I'm sure if he started lifting and eating right, he would look great again, but, um, Oh, just, uh, it's kind of sad to see, but many people just are never taught how to eat, you know, and they grow up in households where it's just, just junk food all the time. That's one thing. Like I always had to go to my friend's house to eat like crap because all of my friends, you know, their, their pantries were always full with junk food. Ours had like nuts and berries, dried berries, a very uninteresting cabinet. You know what I mean? But now in, I'm, I'm thankful to my parents because, um, you know, like I eat very healthy. My little brother eats very healthy. My little sister eats very healthy. Like my little sister has gotten recently into some incredible shape. And, uh, you know, my brother's for years been in very good shape and it's like, it just goes to show you, you know, our dad set the tone. He would come home from the factory where he basically worked in a furnace all day long, getting burned and you know, get back problems and just like, like he would literally have to in the middle of the summer. So he worked at a die casting uh, facility, factory. 
where they made aluminum parts, mostly like one that stands out to me is like windshield wipers for like Ford or something like that. And they'd have to clean the furnace, which means he would have to, obviously the furnace is shut off at this point, but he would have to climb inside this furnace with, a, I would imagine, a set of tools and like scrape all the, what I'm assuming was like excess aluminum that had dried uh, to the inside of the furnace. And he would get home from doing that. His arms would be covered in burns. Like, he got burned really bad a couple of times. Like, really bad. Still has scars. And uh, he'd go right down to the basement and work out. Like, I can still hear Boston. <laughs> he would listen to Steve Miller Band, Boston, Foreigner. You know what I mean? I, I could still, mostly Steve Miller Band in Boston. I could still hear those playing from upstairs. And my dad, her, her. I think he was... Now that I think about it, I think he was working out a lot of aggression because he hated that place. <laughs> you know, he you know he would. I don't know if he'd ever say he hated it, but I could. You, you could just tell he did not. He hated it. Hate is probably appropriate word for that. Um, who would love working in a furnace? And he worked with a bunch of idiots too. You know what I mean? And uh, so it's just funny how in you know it. You got to remember, especially to the parents or aspiring parents that are listening to me, how you're going to set the tone for your children. You know, it says in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, teach a, instruct a child in the way that he should go and he will never depart from it. You know, and it's, uh, it's very interesting to see how certain people grow up and take different paths based on the path they set out in, right? It's very rare that you have somebody fundamentally deviate from their parents, you know, and, and outside of like the teenager, young adult rebellion, you know what I mean? I think that's very normal. I think everybody went through a phase where they wanted to rebel against their parents a little bit, against authority, that's just part of growing up. You know, I think part of that's healthy too, not rebelling against your parents, but I think having a healthy... Um, perspective of authority and realizing that really the only unquestionable authority is God. Um, other than that, your parents are, you know, in second place, but, um, there's no, there's no unquestionable authority, authority outside of those two things. Right. But anyways, um, you know, just, just many of you are parents that listen to me and some of you want to be parents, you know, I would challenge you to what, what kind of foods do you have available for your children in your house? Dude, we ate beef and rice and veggies and chicken. That's it. Like, that's all we ate. We had chicken and rice every night. We had beef and veggies every night. Like, it was, it was some derivative of those two things. And my mom cooked every single night. You know, I got to give my mom some kudos, bro. My mom raised all three of us at home. And when you have a kid, your perspective of how difficult this is changes. My mom stayed at home and she raised all three of us until Sarah went to school. And then she went to work in a restaurant, until, but waited until Sarah was in school during the day. So my mom was always home with us. And, you know, dad, he, I think he started off working like third shift and then got switched to first. So it was like there were years where like during the day dad's sleeping because he's got to go to work at like six or seven o'clock at night through the morning and you know mom's at home and my mom cooked for us every day 
my mom cooked dinner for us. I can't remember a time where my mom, it was just, that's what she did. And the house was always clean. So my mom not only took care of the three of us, but the house was always clean. The dishes were always done. I never heard this woman complain once. There were one or two times where I saw her get a little frazzled, and that's that's it. I, how long was I at home for? 16 years, seeing her getting frazzled maybe twice, and she never took it out on us. Then I can remember one time she said, damn, because <laughs> the dog, I think it was Ara at the time, I was young, it stuck with me, or maybe it was Samson, like, ran between her legs, and she almost fell, and she's like, this damn dog, and I'm like, oh, I'm telling dad, you said a swear. <laughs> Um, you know, and I was a little a little dick, you know what I mean? Rubbing it in my mom's face because I caught her doing something wrong. But anyways, like, I, my mom was an absolute saint, you know what I mean? Just very even-tempered, very cool, very headed, very affectionate. And, dude, the house was clean, dinner was made every night. Like, you don't, you don't see that anymore. Like... I, they don't make women like that anymore. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very rare that you see a woman that could just handle her job in the house. And she never, she, again, she never had any kind of meltdowns. She never cried in front of us. She never complained about having to do what she needed to do. No, we woke up every morning and our lunches were made. She packed our lunches every morning for us. You know, we went to school, we came home, dinner was ready. It was like, dude, mom held it down. And and when you, again, when you get older and you start to have kids, you realize what an amazing job your parents did. And my dad did an amazing job too, you know, out working and earning for our family so that my mom could stay at home. You know what I mean? So she could stay at home. And I know that there were a lot of times growing up and my parents didn't show it. But I get the impression more than I think they ever let on that there were many times where my mom and dad didn't know how they were going to pull it off. And they did. And they they insulated us from, from problems. You know, my parents didn't walk around talking about how there wasn't enough money. My dad just went to work and my mom provided for the house. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, we were very blessed to have the upbringing, uh, me, Jeremiah, and Sarah, that we did. It's very not, you know, to come from a home, number one, that's not a divorced household is like one in, one in two, right? It's like 50% chance that you're going to get a divorce. You know, so that right there made us better off than half the population. Then what percentage... Of mom stayed at home in the 90s and early 2000s. Probably much higher than now, but maybe 20%. So out of that 50%, 20% had a mom that stayed at home. None of my friend's mom stayed at home. Not a single one. Not one. We were the only kids. So maybe less than 20%. I bet you it's like 10 to 15%. <laughs> and then out of that 10 to 15 I imagine if the mom's staying at home, you know, but how many of those 10 to 15% just did their job in the house without complaining and did it every single day without fail. 5%? You know what I mean? So when you look at the whole picture, I probably came from a one percenter household. You know, which explains, you know, you look at me, Jeremiah, and Sarah, we all work very hard. 
We all take good care of our bodies. We all have big hearts and, and help other people. Um, you know, we eat clean. We're all Christians. We believe in God. You know what I mean? So there's, we've all had our hiccups over time. You know, Jeremiah went through his problematic stage. I went through <laughs> my problematic stage for sure. I think I'm still in my pro. I think I'm just a problematic person. And then Sarah went through a little problematic phase. But other than that, dude, it's like, it's just, uh, you know, how things go in the home really set the tone for your kids. And, you know, this is why my wife and I, we try the best that we can not to fight or bring any sort of negativity around my child. I think Ada is such a happy kid because there, she's been exposed to very little negativity. We fought once in front of her so far since she's been alive, six, seven, eight months. And I was deeply remorseful for that. Um, we had a little skirmish, nothing major, it's a little skirmish. And I'm like, huh, see, I never saw my parents do that in front of us. You know, I never saw my parents fight. So I guess all this is, you know, maybe this episode is, uh, I don't even think my parents listen, but, um, maybe this is a thank you to my parents. So, you know, cause the government's probably going to try to kill me at some point. So my parents can come back and listen to this. <laughs> When, I'm, when an FBI agent blows me up in my truck. Uh, <laughs> um, but really, at the end of the day, what I want to impart to you guys is like, as parents and aspiring parents, that, again, instruct a child in the way that he or she should go, and they will never depart from it. You know, they might depart a little bit, but they're always going to come back. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so important to be on point spiritually for your children. That's why it's so important to be on point uh, physically and mentally for your children. And now when I mess up and I make stupid mistakes, it weighs much heavier on me than it used to in the past. Uh, because I just feel now because eight is here and another one's on the way. I feel a deep challenge in my soul to do everything I can to make sure that I'm the best person for these children. And when you look around at the world, you don't see a lot of that thinking. You look at the rhetoric now surrounding children and it's very much what they've taken from me or how my life has changed. And we live in a very self-serving, backwards culture. Everything is me, 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 me. Right? I posted a comment the other day on Instagram. This girl, there was a story of this Russian woman who had like 69 kids. She had like several sets of triplets. So just had crazy eggs. And uh, some girl commented and she's like, what a miserable life just having children. And I click on this girl's profile. Wouldn't you know, she's a self-proclaimed cat mom with a septum piercing and puke green hair. I'm like, who do you think is more miserable here? Huh? The modern woman, this modern girl with dyed hair and a mutilated face and probably has bipolar disorder. 
and surrounded by cats living in cat piss and shit? Or do you think it's the mom that had 69 kids that's going to have a legacy for, I mean, that's like Moses and Abraham style right there. You know what I'm saying? 69 kids. The rhetoric now is very much like, well, my kids took something from me. And there's just so much selfishness in the world now. People are just so selfish. All they care about is how things affect them. You know what I mean? What they can get out of things. Well, I this is my life, and I oh, I want to travel and have a, and women now. Women now are very very selfish, and men are selfish too. But women now is more than ever. Feminism has made women very selfish. You know, they're career oriented. They're, they're me, me, me. Well, what do I want? What do I want to spend my money on? And I want my, my, me, me, me. There's no more, you know, and what the most attractive thing in a woman, I think, is self-sacrifice. You know what I mean? A woman that's willing to sacrifice her wants, needs, and desires for those of her family. I don't think that there's anything more attractive and many women would say the same thing about men, that they are attracted to men that are willing to self-sacrificially provide and protect their family, for their family. And you don't see much of that anymore, because everybody's selfish. Everybody's just a bunch of big, stupid kids. It's just a bunch of big kids in adult bodies running around, it's just... With their sex porn addled brains and parties and just just always partying and just it's like, you know, you wonder why you wonder why you're single and you're in your thirties. Dude, you're out at the club every weekend. You know how unattractive that is? Any guy that wants like if there is a good single guy out there, he ain't coming for you. I could tell you that much right now. If I, you know, I say this a lot, but if I were to be single tomorrow, I could tell you right now, I've told you guys a couple times, body count, social media presence, sort of things I would look at. If I see some girl in her late 20s, early 30s, out at the club every multiple nights a week, I mean, let alone one night a week, I, I ain't going anywhere near that. You've been passed around. You've probably done things to get tables. So I know what goes on. I've been in those. I've been in those clubs. I've been on the side of the, the providing table service for. I know what happens. You know what I mean. You didn't get a free pass. <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's. I'm not saying you can't go have fun, but if you live a life of pleasure seeking. That's the biggest thing. Everybody's a pleasure seeker now. They want to avoid all discomfort. And it's because we're grown we're, we're we're literally incubated in these bubbles growing up. Like we're not exposed to much discomfort anymore. Now, I I can't speak for everybody. Obviously, kids have very traumatic upbringings and bad things happen. But I'm I'm talking generally, especially in this country. You look at how kids are raised in these bubbles. You know, they go to elementary, then middle, then high school, then college. It's like they're not faced with any real accountability until they're 22, 23 years old. 
Alexander the Great was conquering nations at 16. Genghis Khan had already killed people in won wars. It's like, again, I'm not saying everybody has to be a warrior, you know, or a king or something like that, but it's like, you know, there's no hardship anymore. So when people get out into the real world, what do they do? They pleasure seek to hide from the hardships of the world because they've lived in a little bubble for 22 years. Mark my words, none of my kids will go to college. None of my kids are going to public school. My kids are going to be exposed to hardship in controlled environments. You know what I mean? My daughter's less, obviously less than, but if God ever blesses me with a son, you know, my son is going to be exposed. My son will be a man, a man's man by the time he's 13 years old. By the time he's 13 years old, he'll be a bigger man on the inside than most 22, 23-year-old guys out here running around, going to the clubs, smoking weed, just being pathetic excuses for men. There's no men. It, it, it makes me so mad. And you know what? It makes me happy, too. I want to thank, by the way, I want to thank all of the beta soy cock skinny effeminate losers I want to thank all of you for making it so much easier to take a bigger piece of the pie I don't have any competition none and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I can't remember the last time I've had to compete with somebody for a resource because you I, who, who, who am I going to compete against I know this sounds wickedly egotistical, e e egotistical, but it's the truth. Who do I need? You know what I mean? It's like me and like you take me and my top three guys. Like I got three guys in my head right now. You take me and the top three guys, and we could walk in anywhere, any gym, any organization, any, and just absolutely mop the floor with, with everybody. Why? Because it's everybody is so pathetically weak and average. I'm talking business. I'm talking athletics. I'm talking everything. Eat people alive. So, you know, as much as I get angry looking at around at all these pathetic, weak men, all these absolute, with your belly fat hanging over, your stupid little salmon shorts, and your gay little golf polo wearing golf polos every day you're 37 years old like you're still in a frat it's like kids never you never grew up bro I was back in Pittsburgh and I ran into a group of kids probably my age guys and I was like just you never grew up you're still in college you're, you're in your 30s and you're still in college fantasy football teams and sports and golf polos and drinking every single night and thirsty, thirsty Thursdays. It's just, fuck, it's pathetic. And I try so hard to avoid being the 
come to my masculine boot camp and we're gonna sit in cold water and yell at each other and you know you see these guys like Jack Donovan you know I used to like Jack Donovan the way of men was a great book and then I realized he was trying a little bit too hard and now he's out here he's doing you know he's got 10 guys shirtless in the desert and they're like lighting a pyre of rocks on fire screaming at the you know it's like <laughs> that's just as gay <laughs> that's so gay <laughs> You'll see this Aubrey Marcus did the same. That Aubrey Marcus guy, everybody loves that Aubrey guy. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he's got, he's him and all of his guys are bowing down to women, and the women are sobbing. And it's just, there's, you can take it too far in the other direction, too. Like, shut the, shut up. You guys are gayer, probably. You know how gay that is? And you know what they're doing. They're all, you know, that Aubrey Marcus guy is, you could just tell that they're having just crazy orgies and he's like, he's like best friends with his wife that he got divorced from and he's friends with the dude that's banging her now. It's like, dude, the guy's a, a cock. And then you got Jack Donovan screaming at the sun or the moon out in the desert lighting rocks on fire. It's like, <laughs> you guys got to be really careful because... It's either it's either the salmon short golf dude or you're screaming in the desert lighting rocks on fire or you're best friends with the dude that's banging your ex-wife. There's which way, modern man? There's no men left. Here's the thing. The men now are silent. Like the real men that I know are very quiet. Which makes me cause I'm loud, so I'm like, gosh, man, uh oh, am I a real man? You know, but somebody's got to have a voice. Somebody's got to say these things, right? But it's like, the manliest men I know are very quiet dudes. They get up. They get the job done. They take care of their bodies. They're great fathers. They're great husbands. And that's it. That's, you're not a real man unless you're a family man. It's not simple. And I know that's tough because there's guys out there trying to have kids that can't. I'm saying like, like aspiring, like I've got a very good friend of mine um, that without sharing too many details because he wouldn't want me to, um, he's a real man. He doesn't have any kids yet, but I know he will someday. But... So I shouldn't, shouldn't just say, because there's a lot of men that have kids. See, this is the thing. I, what I should say is that real men are family men on the inside. That's the difference. Because there's men that have kids and wives that are pieces of garbage. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's who you are on the inside. So, all right. I'm going to hit the gym. Love you guys.